What to do about oilseed rape? That's just one of the questions I'm posing you for this week. We cannot afford anymore to put a crop in the ground and not be certain that we're going to get a return off that crop. Yes, we're spending a bit of time on the farm of Andrew Ward this bank holiday weekend, looking at how the drought and the ban on neonics are affecting crops there. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. The county show season is back underway. We had the Nottinghamshire show a couple of weeks ago. It's the Rutland County show next Sunday, the Lincolnshire show a couple of weeks after that, and, of course, the Great Yorkshire show in July. This Wednesday and Thursday, it's the Suffolk show, the local show for Ben Underwood at the CLA. But, of course, it's a crucial time for agriculture. I guess these shows are an important way, really, of uh, engaging with the public about what's happening at the moment. Absolutely. Uh, we, well, both engage with our memberships. It's important that I'm hearing, you know, some of the issues, the grassroots issues across the counties. Um, it also gives us a really good chance to invite MPs and decision makers to our marquee to meet with members and to to um, explain our sort of challenges and issues facing our members businesses but also ultimately and perhaps most importantly as you say is that uh, it gives us um, an ability um, a a shop window to to really set our stall out in terms of what farming land ownership the rural economy delivers for the whole of society and why going forward we need a a well-funded package for the rural economy going forward. As I say, these shows, um, you know, a few years back, people were saying, is there a need for such county shows? A number of shows, the Royal Show, for example, have have disappeared. But actually, I guess now more than ever, these kind of shows to show off, to to promote what is actually happening in agriculture, they definitely are needed, aren't they? Absolutely. And I I think these county shows are seeing a resurgence, actually. And uh, someone said to me the other day that actually, even if it did, did rain on one of the shows, the core sort of 15,000 farming folk would sure to be there. And that's really important because it gets people off the farm, off their land to, to talk about the challenges we currently face, but also swap good ideas and some of the really positive and, and, and opportunities there are going forward. So, yeah, it's a, I enjoy the show season. Um, there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of things to, to absorb, a lot of issues to uh, try and tackle. And, um, yeah, Suffolk's just the start of a long show season. Absolutely. And I guess, I mean, we've talked at the shows for, what, the last three years now about Brexit. It's still going to be discussed this year. And, of course, a new Conservative leader being discussed as well, or a potential leader anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Inevitably, there will be uh, Brexit discussions. It does seem unbelievable that here we are sort of three years on and we haven't really moved very far forward. And, in fact, I think the Agricultural Bill hasn't really been seen in 170 days, someone told me today. So, all is stalled because of uh, a lack of a withdrawal agreement. But I think I'd like to think that the conversations uh, across this show season will be forward-looking, um, trying to work on what we do know, uh, trying to look at our businesses and see where we can make efficiencies, uh, shortening our supply chain, look who we're selling for, and, and looking to the future as to what new markets may be on the horizon. And I think whilst not a solution to everyone, also looking at, well, how do you make your assets sweat and uh, look at other business ventures and diversification. So there's a lot we can be doing. Uh, I certainly advise our members to be looking at those sorts of things rather than trying to to, to, to get into the minutiae of what may or may not happen in Brexit because we really don't know at the moment. Thanks, Ben. Have a good show. Ben Underwood there at the CLA.
Now, a big supporter of the show season is our agronomist, Sean Sparling. He's, of course, not only our crop doctor, he's also chairman of the Association of Independent Crop Consultants. Uh, on the list of forthcoming events, of course, cereals, fast approaching. I know uh, you'll be there, as well as at a uh, number of other shows. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Sean. I shall be at cereals as usual. It's hard to contemplate at the moment, trying to find two days where I'm not going to be walking fields. I'm starting at half five in the morning, I'm getting at home at half eight at night, and it's constant at the moment. So the thought of taking two days away from that is just well I I can't really manage I don't need to think about it at the moment but yeah if you're at cereals come along to the AICC stand have a chat if you've never seen an independent agronomist you'll see we look almost identical to any other type of agronomist but with no gimmicks there's no bags and hats and pens and stickers we don't do any of that we just give out advice so come and have a chat um, have a cup of tea Um, if you bring your own no we will supply a cup of tea should you require one Um, of course we will so let's get on to the agronomy bit that's what we're here for um the the drought is really starting to hit now we talk about drought some people talk about it quite glibly but let's just go back to last summer hot dry summer so as we entered 2019 we were already on a deficit of moisture in these fields and we said we needed a wet winter to try and correct that deficit and bring us back to some semblance of normality well we didn't get that wet winter in fact it's probably the driest start i have ever witnessed um since Christmas Eve, I've taken less than five inches of rain in total. So in January, I took 17 and a half mil of rain. In February, I took 17 mil of rain. In March, I took 48.8 mil of rain. In April, I took 17 mil of rain. And I've only taken 24 mil of rain so far in May. Now, when you think about that, we're heading into now the hottest, driest part of the summer. So potentially, things are going to get a lot drier as we go forward and the likelihood of masses of rain is pretty slim so there's nothing we can do about the weather we have to get what we're given as you look out in the field things look pretty good at the moment in most cases but on the stonier shallower sandier waldier soils the chalky soils you can already start to see the wheats suffering they're starting to shut down from the bottom there's a lot of open space underneath where that foliage is starting to be uh, sacrificed for the sake of the new growth so as we push forward we need these drops of rain we need a little drop of rain overnight we need heavy dews to keep things going and when you consider that uh, through ear emergence we now need to fill that grain we need sunshine yes but we also need some water to fill the grain so we just have to keep our fingers crossed go to church every Sunday morning and stay on our knees for as much of the day as we possibly can to get the big man in the sky to send us some rain just enough to keep us going we're not asking for a lot just to keep these crops growing so disease levels if you look in winter wheat at the moment flag leaf sprays going on ear emerging very widely out there now particularly in anything which was drilled before the 10th of october but not exclusively so anything that was drilled after sugar beet in early november has now got the boots beginning to split the flag leaf fully emerge and the first signs of that ear smiling at us as it emerges um, out there in the field as I say, disease level is very low, but protect these canopies because stress and wind is enough to make that septoria, which is in the base of these crops, go a little bit ballistic. So you need to have that protection on the leaves. And now that we're getting into ear emergence, of course, your thoughts turn to wheat, orange blossom midge. Now, there's nothing chemically we can really do. We've got lambda cyhalothrin. If we spray the actual midges in flight, we may do some good at them, but there's really nothing that we can do. The good thing is that midges require 20 degree heat but they also need a warming soil and a wet soil now without the wet they're not 
going to get out of the soil and hopefully these crops are a little bit stressed they're going to move through ear emergence rather quickly and once that ear is fully emerged and clear of the boot you're out of the the risk anyway from orange wheat blossoming so fingers crossed we get that side of the positive coming out of this current weather so disease levels very very low winter barley romping through its growth stages now ear fully emerged and that comes down in the same in spring wheat and spring barley watch these growth stages because there are cutoff timings for growth regulators and for herbicides and make sure the crop is still safe but more importantly you're being legal now in sugar beet we're starting to see the effects of the drought as well we're seeing a little bit of crop damage from things like ethafumosate but we're also seeing not massive flushes of broadleaf weeds now with it being so dry the polygonums are struggling to get through so the herbicides are working pretty well as far as the aphid job goes obviously this year's the first year without neonicotinoids on the seed so beet western yellows is a potential issue for us one wingless aphid per four plants don't just rely on your agronomist to do that look at out there yourself get out there as your farmers and managers and monitor these crops talk to your neighbors look on the bbro website monitor what's going on as to whether there are any in your area talk to your neighbours, look in the spider's web, do everything you can to monitor the activity because there's no point putting insecticide on just for the sake of doing it because there's a lot of good things in the sugar beet which you may well cause damage to if you do that. Pea and beans, growing well, still getting problems with pea and bean weevil. Um, the first flowers are starting to appear now so obviously the next thing will be brookid beetle in spring beans but we'll talk about that next week and the week after. Um, orns out on spring barley, they really are moving so quickly and potatoes, we're into potatoes potato blight weather of course now up until a couple of years ago we used to work to smith periods two consecutive 24-hour periods where in 11 hours of each of those 24-hour periods it was 90 percent humidity and a minimum temperature of 10 degrees now we have hutton periods which is two consecutive days with a minimum of 10 degrees but only six hours of 90 percent humidity within there so Ultimately, every day is a blight day. Once you start the programme, continue the programme, mix that chemistry and don't rely on any one particular chemistry. So it is the season of sticky ups, the wild oats, the black grass, the rye grass, sugar beet volunteers, rape volunteers, cleavers, plenty of things out in the fields sticking up. But if you've got clean fields, you've probably spent too much. Thanks for that. Useful as ever, Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Right on to the grain markets. Let's get the very latest from the team at Open Field. Morning. Morning, Sean. So, what's happened in the markets this week? Well, rain continues in the US, um, delaying maize plantings further, with only 49% of maize planted and a trade estimate of 4 to 10 million acres which will not get planted. Trump has been in the news again with an aid package to support farmers growing soybeans with $2 a bushel support. This is tied in with the US and China trade deal as the US export large volumes of soybeans to China. Therefore, with the recent fallout between the two nations, soybeans prices have been on their knees and therefore farmers need encouragement to grow the crop. It's also worth noting that in 2020 there is the presidency vote and Trump will be keen to keep the farming vote on side. The latest Russian production estimates are 75 million tonnes which is back from 80 plus million tonnes on previous estimates. This again will support markets on new crop. So UK markets have generally seen a rise on new crop values with £140 extra farm now achievable in most areas for harvest. Concerns on lack of rain are being raised across the UK with spring crops being particularly affected but a lot of winter crops are looking okay at the moment but rain will be needed soon. 
I think there will be a lack of farmer selling interest at these levels unless we get some more rain. Just on to barley briefly, there has been a bit of export interest for harvest and values have lifted over the week, um, looking at circa 115 to 118 pounds per ton off the combine. All seed rate prices have found some support from weaker currency with the political issues going on in the UK this week and the resignation of the Prime Minister on the 7th of June. Some growers are looking at values of over £300 ex-farm off the combine, although there is caution taken to sell when yields look to be down. Unfortunately, the Trump, the Trump aid package will not support the price of all-seed rape as more soybeans are likely to be grown, but, it, but if the rain continues, farmers will not be able to plant soybeans anyway. Looking at pulses, trading activity remains low um, on new crop, uh, especially again with the lack of rain. But if we do get some, I think it will encourage more farmer selling. It remains a struggle to find a market for old crop beans, with limited tonnage coming forward from the farm, only a few part loads. Now for your ex-farm values. Feed wheat um, spot is looking at... 147 to 149 pounds extra farm with harvest values at 137 pounds to 140 pounds and November prices at 141 to 145 44 pounds extra farm. Group 1 premiums on old crop are circa 20 to 25 pounds at present. Feed barley trade is very thin and in the lead up to new crop although they have been supported by as available prices of 116 to 118 pounds off the combine. All seed rate prices are £303 to £306 for June, with harvest values at £300 to £302 and November values at £312 to £314. It's worth considering as well at this time of year, looking at your fertiliser requirements. If you can take early delivery, prices are often cheaper early on, uh, so please do look at your requirements and your delivery windows of when you can take it and cash flow as when prices are out they are likely to be out for a very limited time period. For all the latest um, prices and market information please contact your local Open Field Farm Business Manager. Thank you. Thanks for the prices. More from Open Field next week. Okay that's uh, agronomy and grain markets ticked off. Next we head to Wardy's farm for a bit of a nose around to see what's happening in his fields. Now, with the ban on neonics now in force, not to mention the dry weather, many growers of all-seed rape are losing faith with the crop. Andrew took me to see two of his fields. One's okay, one far from okay. We started with the positive. This field, Sean, is uh, is lovely. It's hedge-to-hedge yellow, mm-hmm. and, and if the listeners could see it, you could just <laughs> see what an absolute picture it looks. It'd be our heads popping up out of the top it, of it because it, it, it is so tall. It, it is, exactly. That, that's just it, and it's very green, very healthy. All the stems are, are healthy. But we have the problem uh, with the uh, flea beetle and the larvae mm. that have... Uh, laid eggs and and the maggots have hatched out into the stems and if we cut one of these stems open here Sean we'll split this stem straight down the middle there and we can see here now look at that lovely and green Mm. healthy little bit of white there but that stem is perfect for all the nutrients to travel from the root up the stem so this is why this crop looks well all the flowers are yellow and don't forget wherever there's a flower there will be a pod 
so there'll be a pod with oilseed rapeseed in that at harvest time so that's what a that's what the flower denotes but this stem here look is lovely and green and healthy which is fantastic you can just see at the base of the stem here with a little bit of browning there and there's a little bit of slight damage there but nothing to mean anything at all that hasn't really sunk gone into the plant but you can see there sean doesn't that look you know, lovely mm, and healthy it's perfect perfect um, yeah but when we go to another field in a minute, you'll see the massive difference and the problem we have uh, with, with flea beetle. Yeah. So we've driven, what, half a mile up the road? Is it about, about a mile? Yeah, about a mile. Yeah. And we're now in a completely different field, but the difference in the rape is, well, I mean, remarkable. It is, because, I mean, we've, got, we've brought a plant with us from the other field, and it stands sort of about head height, doesn't it, Sean, yep. where we are? Mm -hmm. And then next to it, in this part of this field, we've got plants nearby that are a foot high. Um, simple as that. And they are completely, if you look at the root here, look at the bottom, they're all dying off down the bottom here, all brown. Um, and the, the plant here, it's stunted. And if we try and split this, you can see straight away there's a little hole there. That's where the, the flea beetle will have gone in the plant. And you can see here we're splitting that open. Now look at that. Yeah, completely. It's brown, brown isn't it? Yeah, rotten the, inside, isn't it? In, it's rotten. And you'll see as well, there, there could be inside. Yeah, the maggots have actually just gone out of here now. But when you look here, it's brown there. And yeah, just completely eating the inside of the mm. plant. And this is a mile away from a, a, a field that was absolutely perfect. Perfect, absolutely. We've had a seed treatment uh, banned about three years ago, um, and it's a uh, neonicotinoid is the, is the name, so hard to pronounce name. And that, that um, treatment coated the seed in an insecticide. So when the seed germinated and came through the ground, any flea beetle that were around didn't couldn't didn't harm that plant as it was emerging and so that was fine that seed treatment has now been taken away from us because people say it's it's damaging uh, the bee populations and so um it was banned however in the eu there are still 17 eu countries that the governments have allowed the farmers to use that product so that's another point that's that's not not right so this seed treatment's been banned so now um the flea beetle are, are attacking our rape crops in the autumn they are making holes in the leaves, uh, which of course then stops the plant from growing because the green leaf area is photosynthesis and obviously sunlight is what makes the plants grow. So that's um, uh, stopping the plants growing because they've put holes in the leaves. They then lay eggs. These beetles lay, lay eggs. Uh, and then they hatch out into maggots and burrow into the stem. And so it's the maggots that, we've that are actually doing the damage here. They're living in the stems over the, over the autumn and the winter. And, and it's that that's done the damage. We try to control flea beetle with an insecticide. But the only way we can control it now is to overall spray the whole field. We're trying to control a very small plant, similar to when we walked in the sugar beet field, um, that's half a metre wide rose and a very small plant. Yet we have to spray the soil. To, a tr to hit that plant we are actually damaging other beneficials that we don't want to harm we don't want to harm ladybirds um, spiders daddy long legs and all those sorts of things that we want to encourage we don't want to harm those but we are doing to try and get at this one one beetle that's attacking our rape crops now the other problem we've got is that it's becoming uk wide there's a lot of areas now have stopped growing rape in the uk there's vast areas um, reduced 
four years ago, the UK had 750,000 hectares of rape. And one hectare is two and a half acres. So that's a lot of acres of rape. Um, this last year, there was 60,000, so 600,000 hectares were, were put in the ground. However, due to the problem that we're now stood in, this field and other fields all around the country, there's 80,000 hectares being removed, being taken out. And so there's only going to be 520,000 hectares go to harvest. However, that's had a lot of money spent on it. The area that we've taken out of down at the other farm, we took 180 acres of crop out and we spent, when, by the time we removed that crop, we'd already spent just under £100 an acre on that crop and we removed 220 acres of growing crop. So that's obviously nearly you know, 20 odd thousand pounds gone. And you can, you can visibly see it as you're driving around, even if you're not in farming. You know, there was a few years ago, you would see fields of just yellow, yellow rape in all of the fields as you were driving around. And that is getting less and less because people are moving away. And in a few years' time, th- those fields won't be there because it's not financially viable for you, is it? Uh, that's exactly it, Sean. We, we cannot afford anymore to put a crop in the ground and not be certain that we're going to get a return off that crop. And so we can now we're going to have to start looking at it and we're going to reduce our rape area, as are a lot of people. I put a survey on Twitter recently um, and there was 53% of 400-odd people replied and there was 53% of farmers are happy with their rape crop. And of those, 24%, I think, um, said they were going to either stop growing rape altogether or reduce the area. So what what happens then? Presumably it's going to be brought into the country from those countries that are using neonics. This is this such a frustrating thing for us. We are having a lot of products removed from us and it's not just seed treatments like that. Other chemistry taken away that we can't use and yet other countries are still allowed to use that. And we are constantly saying to, as an industry to Michael Gove and to, to the government that when all this Brexit lark is sorted out, we must have food security and we must be, have a level playing field. Food cannot be allowed to be brought into this country, grown and treated with products that we are banned from using. It just simply is not right. And we're severely disadvantaged if that happens. And, and it is happening at the moment. And there are um, neonics brought into this country, food grown with neonicotinoid seed treatments. And, uh, but we're at a severe disadvantage. And you can see here the difference that it really has made, as I say, a field uh, just a mile apart and the uh, rapid difference that you're seeing. It, it, it's incredible, Sean. We, we, um, all our fields coming out of the winter look superb. There were, um, the rape plants were as big as lettuces, lovely healthy plants, uh, rows half a metre wide, complete hedge-to-hedge fantastic fields of rape. And some of those fields, once it started to grow in February, they just stood still and went backward because the maggots had got into the stem and then were attacking the plant. And so, yes, it, it's, a, it's a massive problem and, and the public will see a lot less yellow fields about the countryside uh, and it will get less each year because we just cannot keep growing rape and losing money. Well, as we're talking about uh, environmental issues, there's another field we, we want to go see, which is full of wildflower. Let's go take a look at that. Yeah, OK, let's do that. Different part of the farm. Um, we're now in, uh, well, this is, you get a lot of stick. Agriculture does for not doing enough for the wildlife. Explain what you're doing here for that purpose well yes sean we are stood in what is called a winter bird food plot we are paid by the government for these plots and we're paid 600 pounds a hectare to have these on the farm so they are are not growing food uh, but they are growing a crop and they are crop for wildlife and for birds 
and with about five different species of plants in here it's a special mix and it's supplied by by kings and the purple flowers we've got here are linseed and you can see here where we're stood it's full out in flower at the moment and all that will produce seed for birds you can hear the birds singing in the background we've got lots of swallows about as well skylarks and this is the sort of thing that we are doing and we all together we're farming 1600 acres all together and yet we have 78 acres of that 1600 not growing food but growing food for wildlife and not food for humans and it's this is what's slightly annoying for farmers when we're doing all we can for the environment and we're doing all we can to help nature and we realize that in the past there's been issues and probably a lot of hedges have been removed years ago and, and there aren't hedges removed now because you can't do that and 20 30 years ago hedges were taken out to make fields bigger which has increased productivity it's better for tractors it's it's less fuel and everything if you can have bigger fields so that's been done and we realized that probably some of that was done too much so having what we've got here all these areas here uh, is helping wildlife and is helping nature and we're providing food and we're providing habitat for for wildlife over the over the winter we've got a plot here for wildlife and nature yet only five yards to our site left here we've got a crop of, of barley malting barley and that will go to make beer and lager and that will go down to burton on trent to make uh, grolsch and carling lager so we, we're combining both things here sean and you can see here what we're doing uh, for the environment and and we've got this in for two years this plot and then uh, we've already had one year this is the start of the second year and then next year this will be taken up and it'll be planted planted yet again a bit of an extended chat in the fields of andrew ward there on his farm at lednam really interesting actually seeing uh, the difference especially in the two oilseed rape fields it's clear and if you're on social media we'll post some photos and videos on our at farming show twitter account also the uh, farming program facebook page so you can see for yourself uh, the difference in those fields and we've also got uh, a bit of a video of the uh, the wildflowers we were talking about at the end there as well now, of course, you could be visiting a farm soon. It's Open Farm Sunday in a fortnight's time. Uh, we'll look ahead to that on next week's programme. Until then, enjoy the rest of the bank holiday. Take care.